Hey everyone, welcome to Dig Deep. I'm so glad you're here this week. I am first of all excited to welcome my mom, Marcy, back onto the show. Thanks for being here, mom. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that was sort of a fun surprise, unplanned, but we got so much positive feedback about the wisdom that my mom shared last in last week's episode that we wanted to have her back. And then I have a surprise guest with me today. Her name is Ava, and she is my oldest daughter. Ava, can you say hi? Hi. Tell everybody how old you are. I'm seven years old. What grade are you in? I'm in first grade. And you're almost done with school for the year, right? Mm-hmm. And you're excited for summer? Yes. What are you most excited about for summer? Um, that I get to hang out every single day and no more school. <laughs> yeah. Hang out with the, the family summer. and your brother and sister? Yeah. Cool. And what is your favorite food? Um, sushi. Sushi? What kind of sushi? Um, I have lots of different kinds. All different kinds? You like trying different kinds of sushi? Uh-huh. Yes, that you have very good taste. I'm very proud of you with that. And then what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want um, to do for your job when you grow up? A worship leader. You want to be a worship leader like daddy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's a very good goal. I love that. You'd be great at that. Um, maybe a kid's ministry. A kid's, kid's ministry. ministry. Oh, I love that too. And then... Because I want to teach other kids about Jesus or God. Oh, that's so good, oh, babe. That's awesome. You'd be great at that too. I could see you being very, very good at that. That's awesome. Well, thanks for being here, Ava. Are you excited to be on the podcast? Yes. Good. I'm excited to have you here. And thanks again, Mom, for being here. Sure. So we've got a couple generations talking about our topic today. We are wrapping up our series, Unicorns, Perfect Parents, and Other Mythical Creatures. And today we are talking about one of the principles I, I mentioned. we mentioned before in the series, the book Love Powered Parenting. And they go through several basic principles that you can that can be foundational to your parenting. And one of the principles they talk about is communicating from the heart with your children. And this is something that, again, I think we know as parents that we should do, but it proves to be really difficult in the day-to-day to do this in a way that is effective and really sticks. So our first point of discussion today is this idea of communicating from the heart implies that we have to start with our heart. And last week, mom, you referenced in Deuteronomy six that we're called as parents, not just to teach our kids all these biblical truths and principles, but that we're first called to impress them on our own hearts. Mm -hmm. And in Luke chapter six, verse 45, we're told that what we say flows from what is in our heart. And so one of the ways that we think about this and talk about this with our kids, um, but it's a good picture for us too, is the idea of, and you can do this activity with your children, if you fill cups up with different things and then walk around and run into each other, then if it's filled up to the tippy top, what's going to happen if you run into each other? Spill. It's going to spill. And so would you rather run into somebody with a cup filled to the tippy top with marshmallows or poopy water? <laughs> marshmallows. <laughs> yeah, me too. What about filled with strawberries or spiders? Strawberries. <laughs> strawberries, that's a good choice. And what does that have to do with our hearts and the words that we say? The kind of things we do and say. Come from where? Our heart. Mm-hmm. Right, that's right. So mom, I'd love to you know get your insight on this. Just anything that you would encourage parents to do 
we, I don't think we can just tell ourselves, okay, task as a parent is to be nice to our kids right? because it's so hard. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I love my kids, but there are mm-hmm. days where I have other things going on mm-hmm. in my life that are stressing me that really have nothing to do with my children. And ironically, often the people who are making me feel those things, whether it's people at work or strangers who cut me off in traffic Mm-hmm. Or even just my own decisions, my own bad decisions to stay up too late the night before or to, mm-hmm. you know, not invest my thought life well leads me to a place where instead of taking it out on those strangers or people I work with or people who did something to hurt me, mm-hmm. my kids end up being the ones that it it overflows onto and yeah. spills onto because they're... yeah constantly bumping into me, I guess. Right. Well, and they're, you know, they're with us all the time and they see us at our best and our worst and definitely at our worst. Definitely at our worst. The encouragement is to try to see our kids as God sees them as unique, special creations that he places in families to be raised. And it's again, humble. I said it last week as parents, humble yourself. I was humbled when I had my third child and realized I had no idea what I was doing. Mm. Um, like I said last week, I was a perfect parent for a very brief time. I thought I <laughs> took all the credit for how wonderful my first two children were. And then I had a third child and he was even better. And I realized I had nothing to do with what I was doing. So I think it's rooted in first, like how we see our children. What are they? That's good. And they're on a journey with us, not objects owned by us. Yeah. And going back mm-hmm. to, you know, what we said last week that and in the last two weeks, really, that it's a relationship mm-hmm. and that this is a human being that is going to grow into an adult. And sometimes for me, just that alone, that perspective, remembering that this is an adult, this person is going to become an adult someday. Can't believe that, mm-hmm. Ava. You're so, so little now, but it's going to be here before <laughs> we know it. And I hope to have a relationship with this person, mm-hmm. not just when they're a child. And, you know, we joke with Ava, what does daddy always say to you? Um, what does he always say? Please, please stop growing. Daddy says that to you like every day. He asks you to please stop growing, but really we don't, we tease you about that and and joke because we, we love you and we want you to stay little, but, but we really don't, we want you to grow into a wonderful woman and we know that you will someday and we want to have a relationship with that person. And so Mm -hmm. I think most, most of us parents will joke about that and you'll songs are written about, please stay small and don't grow up. And, but ultimately we do want our children to grow up and, the dream is to have a healthy mm-hmm. relationship with that adult mm-hmm. child um, down the road because they're only little for what? Yeah. I mean, it's not even 16 years and obviously 18 years and then they are moving on and, and then there's a lot more years of relationship mm-hmm. after that than before that, God willing. So mm-hmm. that's good. And I do want to say that um, we are going to go deeper into this topic, this idea that our communication, our language flows from what's in our heart in the series that we're starting next week, it's about taming the tongue. We're calling it taming the beast. And I'm looking forward to that. We're going to talk about communication, not just as it relates to parenting, but all of our relationships and how we can, um, develop and grow the way that we communicate in a way that's a blessing to others and honoring to God. So we're going to go deeper into that topic starting next week. But, um, the other thing that we are called to as parents, we're called to evaluate our hearts because ultimately, our communication toward our children comes from our heart. But we are told in scripture in Ephesians 4 verse 15 that speaking the truth in love, 
we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And so that's a picture of us all growing up in spiritual maturity. And the way that we do that is part of the way we do that is by speaking the truth in love. And so we sort of, I sort of want us to break this into two chunks of how do we speak the truth to our children and how do we speak the truth specifically in love? How do we speak Mm -hmm. lovingly to our children? And most parents, we, we know this intuitively. We know, I think all parents know that we have to speak the truth to our children because we have to teach them about the realities of the world. And I never would have believed some of the truths that I have had to relay to my children. You would think that they would know these things instinctually, but I had to tell them that grass and rocks and cigarette butts are not food. (laughs) I had to speak that truth into their life. I've had to speak the truth of no, Elijah, you cannot marry your sister, right, Ava? We've had to tell Elijah that one. Um, I've had to say, you are not, as you say, um, allergic to cleaning your room. That is not true. Who said that? Uh, Elijah says, like, he's al- like, he says that if you don't like it, you're, you're allergic, allergic to it. it. So yeah. He's allergic to certain vegetables. He's allergic to cleaning his room. He's allergic to putting his shoes on. He's allergic to a lot of things. <laughs> he's a lot of allergies, that kid. Um, gravity is real. I have had to explain that over and over mm-hmm. again. You cannot jump from that. You are not able to fly. Gravity is a real thing. <laughs> These are truths that I didn't know I was going to have to explain as a parent. So I think we know on a level, mm-hmm. we have to speak truth into our kids' lives because we are, mm-hmm. we're called to guide them, but, um, but we're not just called to speak hard truth into our kids' lives, but we have the opportunity to speak positive truth Mm -hmm. into their life too. Mm -hmm. And, um, that is, I think in many ways more important because, and tell me mom, if you agree with this, that by speaking positive, affirming truth into our kids' lives, Mm -hmm. we lay the foundation for speaking the hard truth, right? Instead of only speaking. Absolutely. You win the right to be heard. Yeah. And uh, it's a little bit like what we talked about last week of just, first seeing them in uh, their positive, their strengths and their challenges and calling them out and naming them and, and encouraging them. And um, we were encouraged by a book written by Gary Smalley and John Trent years ago. It's called The Blessing, and it's all based on the Old Testament uh, picture of giving the blessing in the Judaic tradition. Mm. And what they did is they pulled the principles out of that and they made it relevant for today. It's really an excellent book. And you know, one of the things, I, if I could just read a little section of sure. it, because I really liked this about the power of the words, um, and that children need us to bless them with our words and the spoken message. Um, and the major thing about silence with children is that it communicates confusion. Children who are left to fill in the blanks when it comes to what their parents think about them will often fail the test when it comes to feeling valuable and secure. Spoken words at least give the hearer an indication that he or she is worthy of some attention. So that's, that's Mm. just, again, an encouragement. We know we love our kids. We know we see what they're good at, but the spoken word is what really clarifies the confusion in their own hearts and minds. Am I good at this? Does anybody care? Is anybody listening? Is everybody involved? And, um, and sometimes that takes 
you know, like you said, we know that we feel these things toward our children, but do they know that we feel them Mm -hmm. and constantly evaluating that as they grow? And I think that's true. So Mm -hmm. it, it almost has to become a discipline of, am I doing this? And if I'm not, then how can I... I mean, even if it's setting a reminder on your phone that's right around mm-hmm. bedtime that mm-hmm. says, tell, name your child that you yeah. love them or something mm-hmm. that you see in them that is valuable and true, something that you can affirm. Mm-hmm. And this is true in marriages too. And I know from being in small groups with um, people f- focusing on on marriage and communication, one of the things that's um, amazed me is I've I've met several couples who struggle with verbalizing the things that they do feel Mm -hmm. for their spouse. And so, you know, we know that men need to feel respect from their wives and that, um, wives need to feel love from their husbands. And we both really need to feel both, but those are especially important. And so often we'll hear, I'll hear from a wife that she does have enormous respect for her husband Mm -hmm. and she'll even list off things that she specifically respects about him. And then when I ask, when was the last time you told him those things? I'm, I've been surprised at how many mm. people feel incapable of saying them because they said, I just feel like mm-hmm. it would be so weird. I feel like it would f- come out feeling contrived or rehearsed mm-hmm. or, or ingenuine because we just don't talk like that to each other. And I think the same thing can happen with us as parents where we sort of get into this pattern of behavior and so much of communication is just that it's just a pattern Mm -hmm. and that's why we see you see family patterns of communication the way that your parents talk to each other you find yourself talking the same way to your children Mm -hmm. or to your spouse as you saw your parents talk to each other Mm -hmm. it's just an ingrained pattern that if we're not intentional about changing it it's just going to flow out of Mm -hmm. us naturally because that's what's Mm -hmm. in there Mm -hmm. and so breaking that and saying i'm i'm going to even though it feels weird or even if it feels contrived or fake Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it because I know that's valuable and I Mm -hmm. need my children I don't need to just feel these things for my children I need them I need to communicate it to them in a way that they really feel it and know it right Ava what do you think of all this do you agree yes (laughs) (laughs) good answer what is a way what is something that daddy or mommy says to you that makes you feel... Do you think mommy and daddy love you? Yes. How do you know? Because you always say that. What do we say? You say, do you know I love you? And I always say yes. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Good. I'm glad you know. You know, I I think one thing that for me, as a parent of young children, I am learning this and I look to... Um, parents with wisdom like my mom and and other parents who have been further down the road for wisdom and how to do this, how to communicate love to my children in ways that they really can understand it. And I, I remember that book, you remember this book, mom, Mm -hmm. the I love you forever book. And I always thought this was the cutest book. And I think when I was pregnant with you, Ava, I reread this book for the first time as an adult. And if you're not familiar with the book, it's a little kid's book and it's all around this little poem that this mom sings to her little boy. And she says, I love you forever. I like, I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living my baby, you'll be. And it's really cute. And as her son grows, she always sings it to him. And then 
when she is very old and essentially on her deathbed, her son sings it to her in reverse, as long as I'm living, my mommy you'll be. And then he goes home and he sings it to his little girl. And it makes me cry every time I read the book. <laughs> and I remember in a, in a small group I was in, our small group leader was a few steps ahead of me on the parenting journey. Her kids are older than mine. And somehow this book came up and she just said, she announced, oh, I cannot stand that book. And I was so offended because I thought it was just the sweetest book and it always makes me cry. And I asked her why. And she said, well, it's just so creepy. Like, because, and it, in her, in her defense, it is kind of creepy because as the boy gets older, she keeps like going into his room and not just singing this song to him, but like picking him up and cradling him. And even when he's an adult man, she drives mm-hmm. across town and like sneaks into his house and holds him and, and sings this song. And my Bible study leader, I know Ava, the look on your face, you think it's so weird. I don't think you've read this book. <laughs> and my Bible study leader was like, can you imagine your mother-in-law crawling in your bedroom window and you wake up and she's mm-hmm. cradling your husband and singing him the song. And I thought, okay, well, I have to agree with that. That's a little creepy. But I think the sentiment is there. And the right. idea is that our babies are always our babies. And yeah. I know mom, you feel that, mm-hmm. that even as all your children are adults, mm-hmm. they're always your babies, but they're mm-hmm. just happen to be adults now. Mm-hmm. So without being, but we don't want to be the creepy parent that is still picking our kids up in a rocking chair right. as adults exactly. and rocking them back and forth. Wouldn't that be yeah. silly, Ava? That'd be a little weird. It what if silly. grandma, what if I sat in grandma's lap and she rocked me right now and, and sang me a song? In the rocking chair, you... I would probably break it, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so how do you, mama, this is what I want to know is how do you navigate those transitions? You know, we said last week that Julie, as Julie Richard says, as parents, ultimately mm-hmm. we go from holding our children to mm-hmm. hand-holding, to pointing, and then to waving mm-hmm. as they adventure off on their own as adults. Mm-hmm. How did you navigate those transitions specifically as it pertains to communicating the truth and mm-hmm. love to your children? Well, I, and that is, a, it's always a challenge. The transitions are always a challenge, and we didn't always do that right or well. We sometimes were caught off guard by the transitions that the kids would be ready for something and we hadn't released or given them enough freedom in the area. And that's usually where the conflict erupts. And, you know, as we talked last week, they may need to maintain respect. And if they don't, then there's discipline involved in that. But very soon after the discipline's over, we would say, okay, well, it's time for you to take more responsibility. You're clearly ready for this and you want this and we're going to give it to you and just yield it to them instead of, you know, it it doesn't have to be a highly structured thing of like every six months we're going to it's more of um, that again that relationship and yielding. And one of the analogies I like and uh, that sort of communicates this is thinking about uh, sports. I was involved in a lot of sports as a kid, and you know the first part of learning any sport is you need someone to train you. You need someone to figure mm. out. Like I like to play soccer when I was. Um, Yes, and Ava liked to play. You played soccer too, right? You can speak up, Ava. Uh-huh. You don't have to yeah, just point. Yeah. Say, I like and, soccer too. Uh, <laughs> I like soccer too. And at first, when you first learned to play soccer, remember, Ava, that somebody had to like train you on how to kick the ball, right? And how to, you know, where the field was, where the boundaries were, what, what the, the goal was about. Were. And that's yeah. really like and the training how to dribble. phase. 
yes. dribbling. Yes. And those um, throwing in from the sidelines and we're two hands over your head, all of that. And um, so that's like the training function. That's what we're talking about with young mm-hmm. children that parents train them. This is when you're training them right and wrong. You're teaching them to clean their room and what a clean room looks like, what the goal is. So those are all parts of training. And then you need to shift into, as parents, the role of coach. So what does your coach do when you're playing the game, Ava? Um, sometimes if the game's over, they would blow the whistle to mm-hmm. stop. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes if um, someone got hurt, he would blow the whistle to help them. If right. But when you're playing the game, does the coach actually come out on the field with you or does he stay on the sidelines? Stays on the sidelines. Right. And sometimes they call out and tell you, that's for you, go get that ball. Or they'll even say, good job, you know, good pass, things like that. And that's the role of the coach. They're not in the game. They're not teaching how to play the game anymore. They're coaching you on how to do that. And that's mm-hmm. sort of those middle years of 8 to 12 where yeah. we're – coaching and we're involved we're you know in their lives we know what's going on with them and we become a coach but the last phase is really becoming a fan and that's you know in your analogy just in the book is the waving the pointing and the, the pointing is coaching but the waving is really you become a fan and and I think for a lot of parents this this happens a whole lot sooner and needs to happen sooner than we would like. Um, we think, well, someday when they're 30, yes, I'm going to be very proud of them. Well, need to release them really when they're more like 15 or 16 and become their fan. So let's think about your soccer game. And when I'm your fan, right, Ava, when I would come to your soccer game, so where would I be standing? Was I standing next to the coach yelling at you, telling you what to do? No. What happens if you did something good? What would a fan do? Um... They would um, shout yay. Yay, a cheer, <laughs> and we would say good job. And um, sometimes, if you, um, sometimes if you know how to whistle, sometimes they would whistle Yeah, and Opa does that, doesn't he? Yeah, he and whistles and claps. Daddy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes so, at concerts, it, mm-hmm. at school, I sometimes whistle too. Yeah, and clap, yeah. that's a good, good example too. But what happens if you did make a mistake on the field, like you missed the ball or something? What do fans do? Do they cheer? No. No, she's shaking her head no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but they also don't ever boo, right? That would be really no. weird for, for me to boo and say, oh, Ava, you blew it. You know, No, I would never say that because I'm your fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You say, so get it next time. Get, get it going. next time. I encourage you and say, don't worry, you know, shake it off. Let's get the next one. Right. So the picture of a good fan is they show up at the games and they are supportive. They don't yell instructions like coach would. And that's kind of absurd when you've got all these parents and fans on the sideline. They're all trying to tell the kids what to do. So that's that's not the role. They never boo. And then it's even more ridiculous to run out, actually run out on the field and try to tell the player how to play the game, isn't it? That would never happen. Can you imagine me running out in the middle of your soccer game <laughs> your and saying, let me, show, let me show you how to kick that ball? <laughs> and yet, as parents, when our kids reach those teen years, sometimes we want to run out in the field. We want to take the wheel. We want to say, get out of the way. You don't know what you're doing. Let me, I'm going to take control. I'm going to mm-hmm. take over. And that is, you know, not the role of the parent or the fan. And it's really hard to do that because there's a lot of scary things in the world. And we obviously don't want our kids to get hurt. But at that point, when you move into the role of being their biggest fan, um, just remember the things that a fan doesn't do. That's good. That's really good. So, and when the players don't 
you know, have a good play or they make an all-out mistake. They're disappointed. Fans are disappointed, but they don't boo them. Yeah. So, that's and good. it's the same with parents. And in those and in those earlier phases where we are teaching them how to play the game and then coaching them, if we remember that that's what we're moving toward, mm-hmm. is that ultimately we want to be the fan cheering from the sidelines, just um, knowing that they are not going to be perfect adults mm-hmm. and they're going to make mistakes, but cheering for them along mm-hmm. the way, that will guide the decisions that we make. And mm-hmm. so while we're in those earlier seasons, if you're a parent who's in one of those earlier seasons of teaching and mm-hmm. coaching and training up your children, the the value of the spoken word is just so, so important in your relationship with your child. And so mm-hmm. the try it today for this episode is to discipline yourself to today speaking a truth in love to your child. And I would encourage you specifically to speak a truth that is something you see in your child, something positive that you see Mm -hmm. in your child. And this could be as simple as you notice that they use good manners somewhere in public. And so when you get in the car, you say, Hey buddy, I saw that you use great manners in there. Way to go. I'm so proud of you. Or, um, they do something nice for their sibling and you acknowledge it and really pull them aside. And the same way that you would have valuable communication with anyone, with a a coworker or a spouse, make eye contact and speak clearly and affirm the truth in love, whether that's a tough Mm -hmm. truth of something that needs to be corrected or a positive truth of something you want to affirm and do it in love. And that, um, that will be a blessing to your children. And one of the things that we do that I think is just a really helpful tool that I want to add here at the end before we cover our last little topic is to use questions with your children. Because I think Mm -hmm. for so many of us, we are tempted to feel like we need to just tell our kids what they need to do to just dictate kind of constantly do this, do that. And for us, we've found that questions in all communication, but including in parenting questions are sort of like shovels that can get Mm. you deeper into conversation than just statements being passed back and forth. And when you just pass back and forth truth statements to each other, there's nothing terribly wrong with that. But for us, especially when it comes to disciplining our children, we um, ask them questions while mm-hmm. that is going on. We say, um, I want to talk to you about what happened, you know, and first asking, is there something going on that I don't know about? Mm-hmm. Because maybe there is something in their heart that's overflowing onto their sibling that they just punched or whatever. <laughs> but it's good to, I know that would be terrible, right, Ava? But maybe they had someone hurt their feelings at school or something else happened that is worth addressing first and then saying, okay, you know, I'm glad we talked about that. There's still no excuse for that behavior, but then you know kind of what's behind it. Mm-hmm. And then asking them how they feel about the decision that they made, mm-hmm. not just telling them you, you made a wrong decision there, but asking them to process how they feel about it maybe what led to them making that decision so that they can really learn from it. And then ultimately asking the question, what would you do differently next time? And mm-hmm. asking them, that's where, you know, I think the best teachers don't lecture. Mm-hmm. They ask really good questions. And right. that is true for us as parents too, is to ask our kids compelling questions that engage their minds at whatever level um, they are and mm-hmm. and ask them to consider 
mm-hmm. why they're doing what they're doing and how they can grow and, and improve. And then the last thing I, I want us to touch on is just the importance. Well, if I could just interject oh, can, some yeah, one little thing on that, because it's just brought to mind. I wish I'd known this. This is all, there's millions of things that I wish I had done differently. And one of the things was modeled for me by a good friend, Martha, and uh, she did daycare long after her kids were older. But I love the way she communicated, even to the little teeny toddlers, about making choices. Yeah. So she would say, okay. We you, use this with you our kids since you, you can't, told me about oh, it. Yeah, yeah and, and I've told Martha she needs to teach classes in this. But, you know, she'd tell the little toddler, you cannot touch the plant. No, no plant. That's the training part. No, nope, you're not going to do it. And then when the toddler would go over, she would remind them, you know, that's plant. And when they took their hand away and looked at her, she would say, good choice. And I loved that. And she carries that through all the way through training. And it's reaffirming that the child is making a choice to Mm -hmm. obey or not to obey. And so when your kids get older, it's one of those good questions to ask is, tell me what led up to that choice that you made, the choice to break curfew, the choice to stay out late, the choice to, um, you know, lie about breaking something in the home because they were horsing around when they knew they shouldn't have been, things like that. That's good. Well, and the last thing we want to talk about in this episode is the idea of apologizing to your children Mm. when you make a mistake. And because I think we are called to speak the truth in love to our children, but as we've said throughout this whole series, there are no perfect parents and we will all make mistakes. And there is so much value in apologizing when we make a mistake, whether we say something hurtful to our children or we just fly off the handle and just yell when we know we should have been calmer. And I I think the temptation is to, um, to want to try to just compensate for, we feel like we have to achieve this standard and we're always falling short of it. We're always making a mistake or kicking ourselves. Like, why did I do that. I, I don't want to be, or it's maybe it's, you're seeing a pattern in yourself that you despised in your own parents mm-hmm. and you're seeing that pattern emerge yep. and it's, it's bringing up shame as you are parenting your own children. And instead of dealing with it head on and being honest with your children about your struggle mm-hmm. and apologizing to them, we feel a need to just try to compensate mm-hmm. and, and we're making all these mistakes. So I'm going to go and buy them whatever they want, or we're going to go out for ice cream because I knew I shouldn't have flown Mm -hmm. off the handle and yelled at my children. So I'm going to, I'm going to just try to do something nice to counteract Mm -hmm. the mistake that I made. And it's so important for us to model for our children how to apologize well Mm -hmm. when we make a mistake. And Ava, do mommy and daddy ever apologize to you? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do we, um, what kind of things do mommy and daddy apologize for? Now I'm a little nervous about your answer. <laughs> sometimes um, they um, might yell mm-hmm. at me or might do something bad sometimes. Yeah. And when mommy, if we yell, is that a good decision or a bad decision? Bad decision. Right. And so do we, and so we apologize to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we try to apologize. And then do you forgive us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we really appreciate that. And we can talk about the mistake that was made and both learn from it and grow from it. And I know mm-hmm. that that process for me and my parenting has helped me grow in a way of, instead of just suppressing and wishing that I didn't make the mistakes that I make as a parent, mm-hmm. um, going through that process of apologizing for those things and then receiving forgiveness from my children and acknowledging... Yeah, 
they are human beings that, mm-hmm. um, if I hurt or offend them, um, if I make a bad decision that impacts them, mm-hmm. I need their forgiveness, even though they're little. Mm-hmm. And that's something that is, um, I think m- maybe foreign to some parents, especially if you didn't have parents who ever apologized to you mm-hmm. when, uh, for the mistakes that they surely made, um, in raising you and, it's something that's worth um, talking mm-hmm. with your spouse or um, with friends about how to implement it and, and practicing mm-hmm. apologizing to your children when um, when you make mistakes. So on that note, Ava, what do you think mm-hmm. parents should do when they talk to their children? If, if you were going to give a try it today, what do you think all parents should do today when they talk to their kids? To ask them... Um... Do you know that I love you? Mm, that's that's a great thing. It's a great thing to say. It's a good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and the only thing, I, other thing I'd add about the apologizing to your kids is there are things that you can't apologize for that sometimes the kids mm-hmm. um, sort of blame parents for. And, right. and this goes back to, again, the relationship. If you're building a healthy relationship, then they know that it's not your fault, that you don't have more money or that you don't live in a better neighborhood or whatever. But if there's a sense of control over the household, then the kids, it's easy for them to blame you of like, you're not doing the right thing. And so I just caution parents to make sure that you're not apologizing for something that you didn't do, which sounds crazy in the context of what we just said. But instead of apologizing, sympathize. Um, I saw this played out years ago when my kids were young and it was at a party and the teenagers were all having a blast down in the basement. And I watched a parent had to leave early. She called her two young daughters up. I think they were 12 and 14, that magic age, 14, mm-hmm. and basically told them that it, they needed to go because they need to leave the party early. And both girls erupted, absolutely erupted in wails and moans and whines. And no, 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 we don't want to leave. And I remember standing there going, oh, I'm going to watch how this plays out. Because my bent would have been to say, that's an inappropriate response. I've told you to get ready. We need to get ready. Get your stuff together and let's go. But this mom instantly sympathized with them. She she said, I know. I'm sad too. We have to go home. I'm disappointed. And both girls, the, all the energy mm-hmm. and the frustration just melted away. And they said, okay, mom. And they went and got their shoes on. And I thought, there's power in that picture. And it was something I tried to in part after that is don't always just demand and then have to apologize, sometimes sympathize with the way things are. And that's how you can build a healthy relationship moving into adulthood. That's good. Well, thanks mom for being here again. Really appreciate your wisdom. It's great. Thank you so much, Ava, for being on the show today. Can you say goodbye to everybody? Bye. And thanks for being here for this series. I just want to say I'm so grateful for people who have reached out and given feedback about how they've benefited from this series. And I love to hear about practical ways that you, that this podcast is impacting your life. And so if you want to send feedback my way, you can go to jessalston.com and use the contact page is one of many ways you can get in touch with me and um, let me know how this is having an impact on your life. I love hearing from you. And so join us again next week as we start a new series, Taming the Beast, where we talk about language and communication and how we can tame the tongue and um, use our words for good and not evil. Thanks for being here. Have a great day.